It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, I'm Ron Johnson, and this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota's Roundtable coming to you every Friday. We have the best local experts in the podcast world. We got Sam Ekstrom, my producer on the Ron Johnson Show. We got Luke Inman from the uh, Superior Sports Talk. Normally, we'd have Reggie Wilson with us, but he's on IR today, pulling his uh, best Andrew Booth Jr. that he can find. And today's show, I'm excited because we are going to talk. And, and by the way, Luke Inman has a better personality than Arif Hassan, according to the fans. But I'm excited <laughs> about today's show. Uh, yesterday, I was in the gym and ran into Frank Ragnow's sister. And she mm. was, like, so excited about this game. One, Frank's finally healthy. It's been a while since he's been healthy to play at home against his uh, hometown team. And two, I don't know if she realized, like, I'm not a fan. I, I work for the team. I'm excited just for any game, I guess. Um, but she knows I'm from Detroit, but I'm not a fan of the Lions. But she was so excited about this game. So I just know not only is the Ragnow family excited about this game, but I think people, period, are excited to see. Because you had the Packers, and, and, that, and that felt like a mirage. Maybe the Vikings aren't as good as we thought, and Packers just had a bad day. Jay Alexander not putting the right coverage. The Eagles kind of scared Vikings fans off. Now it's time to see because, quote-unquote, the Lions are the bottom of the basement uh, when it comes to the NFC for a while. And now they're looking like they're going to be the number two team in the division. So everybody's excited. But as we drop into this show, man, let's start off here. Sam, Vikings-Lions, which team do you think is going to show up? Is this going to be the Packers-Vikings, the home Vikings we saw? Uh, or, and, and here's a stat for you, week one, 6.8 yards gain per play on first and second down. That was third in the NFL. But then 4.5 yards gain per play on first and second down. That was 23rd. So they went from third to 23rd from week one to week two, Sam, which team's going to show up? That's a great stat on your part, Ron. I love it. Um, first of all, that little Frank Ragnow tidbit, it's kind of a scoop. I mean, it sounds like he's going to play if his sister's all excited for it, but he's on the, he's on the injury report. He's limited with a foot. So I think people were wondering if he's going to play or not. And Hey, maybe uh, Ron's got a scoop for us. Frank Ragnow. She told me he's playing. Lineup. I asked her point blank. I was like, cause she's like, she was all giddy. I was working out. And then she like came, like she was on a different machine. So as I'm walking by, she like, you know, she's like, are you excited? Are you ready? And I'm like, what? I'm like, for the Lions Vikings? I mean, I guess. I mean, I'm just working. I'll be there. And the Ragnow family, she said, it's going to be there. Mom, dad, you know, her, uh, probably his wife, I'm guessing. She might come to town. I don't know, though. But, you know, he's from here. Chan has a Minnesota. Um, super excited. And I was like, oh, is he playing? And she's like, oh, yeah, he's playing. So I don't know if that's just an optimistic sister. Um, or if that's just Frank telling the family, like, yep, hey, guys, I'm limited, but I'm playing. Uh, get your tickets. Get your popcorn ready because I'm lining up. I don't care if I've had a broken throat, uh, you know, a, a severed ear, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm playing at home because I haven't had this chance. So, yeah, sounds like he's going to play according to his sister. Yeah. I mean, so when Schefter gets up at 5 a.m. on Sunday and tweets out, Frank Ragnow is active today. We had it here first on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Roundtable. Ron, <laughs> um, I think the Vikings are going to bounce back. And I look back at the last three Vikings playoff teams, 2019, 2017, 2015. All of those teams had dismal performances early in the season. Like 2019, they got crushed by the Packers and Bears in the first four weeks. 2017, they lost to the Lions at home early in that season. That was a great football team. 2015, 
killed by San Francisco, beaten by Denver on the road. So it's not uncharacteristic for good football teams to lay an egg early in the season. It happens, mm-hmm. especially when you're facing a good team on Monday Night Football on the road. Those kind of things will happen. And I know it happened kind of in lopsided fashion. You don't love to see the defense get blistered like that in the first half. And you don't like to see three interceptions from Kirk either. But the beauty of Kirk, and you know I love to point out his flaws, but one of his strengths <laughs> is that after he you know shows us his flaws, he often bounces back. And he has been known to turn on a dime from one week to the next. He has been a perennial Lions killer. He is 7-2 career against Detroit. 7-1 and one before last year's debacle at Ford Field. Um, I think he bounces back in a big way this week. And I think the Vikings expose that Lions defense. Um, and I think they get a win here at home on Sunday. So I think that the Eagles game will prove to be a bit more of a mirage. And people can get excited again after Sunday's game. So I'm going the optimistic route. Yeah, of these two teams, I feel a lot more confident about what Lions team is going to show up right now than the Vikings, Sam. Dan Campbell has just really built the right culture there with this kind of blue-collar, smashy-in-the-face, see-ball-get-ball mentality. And even though they're still struggling defensively, you know nothing's going to come easy for the Vikings on offense. This team was built the right way through the trenches Three first-round picks on their offensive line. Frank Rag now be one of them. Now on their D-line, you've got the number two overall pick. And Charles Harris, who's turned out to be just a huge free agent pickup last year. Plus, they got Josh Paschal. Vikings won't see him this week, but he's going to join the Lions squad here once he comes off the pup in a couple weeks as well. For the Vikes, though... They're back at home. You obviously feel a lot more comfortable there. I think they come out and get Kirk into a rhythm early. KOC is going to drop a great first drive script, just like he did versus the Packers in week one. And you hope that early success provides some sort of momentum for them to gain their confidence back this week. The big thing I'm watching out for today, and Sam kind of alluded to it, which injured players practice it and which don't? Hutchinson and Jonah Jackson did not practice yesterday. That could be huge. Ragnow, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, they were all limited. Huge names right there. Any one of those guys don't suit up. That dictates the game plan a little bit. Vikings, obviously, they got Andrew Booth Jr., Harrison Smith's in the concussion protocol on a short week. Vikes secondary got gashed last week. They need Booth in this lineup in the worst way. Probably won't get him this week. And losing Harrison Smith, it'd just be a major blow. This defense has always looked so much different when he's not on the field. Who suits up? Who doesn't? Could have a major impact on the outcome of this one. So keep tabs on that injury report and Adam Schefter's tweets come Sunday morning. Before we continue with this Vikings-Lions conversation, a reminder that BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. That's pro and college. We've been keeping you up to date with the Vikings and Gophers lines all week. Gophers are minus three. They're field goal favorites at Michigan State. Vikings now five and a half point favorites against Detroit on Sunday. You can get that team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles and analysis on a bunch of games at betonline.net. They have lines and resources for NFL, NBA, MMA, boxing, golf, and live betting and up to the minute scores as well. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts and another quick reminder locked on sports minnesota is now available on the amazon fire and roku apps get all of our shows ron johnson superior sports talk the minnesota football party 
on Amazon Fire or Roku. It's the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. Yeah, and, and so go back right back to you, Luke. The Vikings threw two games. I mean, again, they look really good in week one. Week two, not so good. Um, mm-hmm. Looked like the Eagles had a better game plan. I mean, it just looked like they got out coached. They got out of scheme. Looks like Kirk Cousins was thinking a little bit too much where it didn't seem like it was completely there. Who knows what was going on? Maybe it's the Monday night jitters. I don't know. But do you think this team has improved from last year offensively and defensively? Because we keep talking about this offense, and I think mm-hmm. that's what happens. When you have an offensive head coach, the media – gravitates to what the head coach is talking about when you have a defensive-minded head coach the media gravitates to what the head coach is talking about so last the last couple years we were all focused on this defense and how good were they in offense like uh okay Kirk Cousins is gonna get better huh I don't think it looks really good but man did you see what Harrison uh uh Smith did Did you see what Eric Kendricks Mm -hmm. is doing out there man Daniel Hunter is great man Everson Griffin gotta get him back like now we're like man this offensive line is actually pretty good. Ed Egram is doing his job. Like these tackles, we're not even talking about them, which means they're doing their job if we're not even talking about the tackles. Um, have this team improved at all, or is this the same team? Yeah, it, it's so early still. I don't think anyone can say beyond a reasonable doubt they're improved yet, but I do think they're heading in the right direction. Remember Zimmer's first year, they whooped up on the Rams in week one on the road. Then they got smoked by the Patriots at TCF Stadium the next week. They came back in week three, lost to the Saints. Remember, that was the Matt Castle injury game, the first we saw at Teddy Bridgewater. Point is, it's still so early. You see every year it takes a lot of teams a month or so to really find their stride and get clicking. You obviously hope it doesn't take that long, but from last year to now, I think the offense is obviously in much better hands with KOC and Wes Phillips than Clint Kubiak. So you have to just trust the process there. Defensively, I think adding Harrison Phillips was huge. But switching to a brand new defense, first time in eight years, it's only natural. It's going to take some time. I just hope they don't look back and say, man, we should have given some of these younger guys opportunities early instead of babying them along. When you use a first-round pick on a guy, he should be on the field in some capacity early and often. When you trade up for a linebacker in Asamoah with more speed than a guy like Jordan Hicks, you should be able to find a spot for him somewhere on third down. So offensively, they'll be a better team than last year. Defensively, I think once they get Booth healthy, seen, Asamoah, a Caleb Evans we started to see last week, out on the field more and kind of help rejuvenate this defense with more. They just need fresh legs and speed. I think you'll start to see some improvements because right now, I'm not going to lie, there's certain parts of this defense that just looked a little old and worn down Monday night. Give credit to the Eagles offense for grinding them down. But you start to wonder, as good as they've been, just how long guys like Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, Eric Kendricks can play at that high level we're used to. Yeah, I think that defense set off some alarm bells on Monday night. Here's one good stat. They are sixth in points allowed right now. And I know it's hard to believe after the way they got gashed in the first half Monday night. But overall, through two games, sixth in points allowed. That's good. But this is what concerns me. <clears throat> 29th in yards allowed. So they are bending big time and not breaking right now. I'm not sure that's a sustainable pathway. They're not always going to block field goals. They're not always going to stop teams like the Packers at the one-yard line. Um, Eventually, that's going to catch up to them. So the defense, I think, is a little bit vulnerable right now. And they're facing a Lions team that has, to their credit, they've been really good on offense in the first two games. At least the run game has been. I'm still not a golf believer, but the run game has been really good. Um, I think this defense still needs to answer a lot of questions. Now, on offense, the key is not to, you know, be where you've been, which is about 10th. 
You want to be elite. You want to be an elite offense, and that means Kirk Cousins plays consistently uh, because when he does play consistently, I think that's your pathway to a really good team. He was not Mm -hmm. consistent in the first two weeks. He was up and he was down. He was hot. He was cold. Uh, Polar ends of the spectrum. So I I do need to see more consistency from Kirk Cousins, and I need to see some semblance of improvement from the defense before I can say the team is improved. But, uh, you know, Luke, you've adeptly pointed out that early seasons can be really unpredictable. And when teams don't play their starters in the preseason, I think you're even more prone to some of these growing pains like the Vikings have had so far. Yeah, this is what I'll say. So I'll give you some numbers um, because you know what? I'm about to start getting my stats out. Uh, Here's some numbers for you just to think about. So like I said, week one versus week two, or sorry, week week one versus week one. So I gave you week one and week two, but week one versus week one, 2021 and 2022. Mm -hmm. So they gained 3.7 yards per play on first or second down, which was 31st in the NFL in week one last year. But then week two, they turned around and they went 7.1 yards game per play, which was fifth. Third down, now this is the reverse of it, which is super weird. Third down, now maybe because they had, they were so far out of it, they were, people were giving up a lot of yards to them. They were 6.4 yards per play gain on third down in week one, which was six. But then the week two, they were 3.7 yards, which was tied for 21st. Now, if you do that math, they're barely getting first downs in week two. Week one, they were 41.2% converted for first downs on third down. Now, I don't know what that means, but this is what I mean. This is what it feels like to me. Kirk Cousins is super erratic. Like, he's all over the place sometimes. I think Kevin O'Connell is going to kind of, you know, get it back together. Because then you turn around and look at week three, and this is where we haven't gotten to yet. They dropped back to the middle of the pack. They were 5.1 yards per play on first down. and But they were 66.7 uh, for getting a first down or TD on first down or second down. So I think that's going to be the success for this team. That's when they were hitting on all cylinders in week one. They were getting first downs on first and second down because they were only 20%, 28% on third down, but we know they got a lot of first downs in week one, which means they were getting them on first and second down. They've got to get back to that. Like you've got to get back to getting first and second, first downs on first or second down and not trying to push the third down. I think that's when Kirk Cousins is hitting on all cylinders. I think that when Kirk Cousins feel comfortable. The Eagles, they were forced into too many third-down situations with the Eagles, and that's when teams can pin their ears back. If you don't even give them a chance to pin their ears back, you you can dominate the game offensively, and, and that's where it comes down to with this Lions team is they are now talking about Kirk Cousins like, oh, he'll give us three. Like, they feel super confident as you're, after watching the Eagles film. My guess is they're not watching a ton of Packers film, maybe a little bit, but – they're, they're, they're getting their guys mentally hyped by watching this Eagles film. Like, look, man, this, we put 38 or 35 points up on this team, and the Vikings only put seven up on them. We're a better offense. That's how the Lions feel right now. Swift, uh, golf, like they're doing a great job. And, and that's where you look at this run game looks really good. Amon, Amon Russ St. Brown looks really good. He's confident. He's, look, he's looking players down on the other sideline like, hey, this guy was drafted before me. Okay. Okay. Oh, you're not playing. Okay. Well, there you go, Commanders. You should have drafted me because I'm better than him, but that's up on you. We're going to put money up on you. Uh, 2021, I'd have to look up. I don't think there were any receivers taken for the Vikings before Amonra, if I'm not mistaken, because I think K.J. Osborne was later. Um, But I know he's going to, you know. Amir? Amir was 2021? Yeah, but when was Amonra saying? He was like third round, wasn't he, or was he after that? 
No, he was like sixth round. Yeah, Amir went 157 in the fifth round. I, I know Amah went sixth round somewhere because he's got this laundry list of like 19 receivers wow. drafted ahead of him. Wow. So, yeah, so maybe so he's looking over to I'm like, actually seeing round see four. Oh, round, round four. four. Okay. Ross St. Brown. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm about to say, I, I knew Amir could have been before him. Like, that's, yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like, when you, because he was one of the guys I thought the Vikings would draft. I got to find that tweet. But I remember when they were thinking about drafting a guy, I said Amara St. Brown would be a nice addition to this Vikings offense. And I was right. He would have been. Like, that would have been a nice pickup instead of Amir Smith-Marset. Nothing against Amir Smith-Marset. But I think Amara St. Brown would have been a nice addition next to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Um and, and then, of course, K.J. Osborne came out of nowhere. But, I mean, imagine all four of those guys right now for the cheap because you would have had all of them. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, In my opinion, I think they have improved from a mental standpoint. But we will see what that mental change looks like. Offensively, they're about where they were last year. Defensively, I think they've improved from a mental standpoint. But I think they're going to get worse before they get better. And when I say that, I mean, Mike Zimmer had this defense like ready to go. Even if, if their buttholes were tight, even if they were worried about getting cursed out, they were a well-oiled machine defensively when they had their rushers because his blitz dial-ups, his third down, A-gap, you know, mugs, it was one of the best in the NFL. Um, so I, I will say, I don't think they've improved yet defensively. I think they have a chance to get better, but not yet. Offensively, I think they have because I think Kirk Cousins looks a lot more comfortable, but we'll see against the Lions how he does. Now it's time to move into a topic that I'm excited about. And I just noticed, because I did the Vikings podcast yesterday on Vikings.com, and I did not realize this was like a Minnesota versus Michigan week. Like the Lions uh, playing the Vikings and then Michigan State playing Minnesota. And you got the Minnesota Gophers traveling to East Lansing to play the Gophers. And you got two of the best running backs in the NFL, or sorry, where they're going to go to the NFL. And they're not the best in the NFL, but they're going to the NFL. Uh, you got two potential Heisman candidates. Mo would have definitely been the Heisman candidate if he stayed healthy last year, the way he played against Ohio State. But they're going to Michigan State now. Will this be a statement game for the Gophers, fellas? Like, is this the game where P.J. Flex says, you know what? They're ranked. They were ranked all season higher than me. Uh, everybody has Michigan State, you know, right up in there in the east with Michigan, Ohio State, then Michigan State. We're going to put our foot on their throat. And Penn State's right there, too. But Michigan State was was higher for a little bit. We're going to put our foot on their throat and we're going to show the world that we're serious and this run game is the truth. Is this the statement game for, for the Gophers? I'm nervous. I am, I'm nervous about this game. I want to have faith, and I, I watched almost the entire Colorado game, and that was a dominant performance. But Colorado is not very good. Western Illinois was not very good. New Mexico State was not very good. So this is the first true test. Now, I did watch a lot of that Michigan State game last Saturday, too, and they did not look good either at Washington. That was a tough place for them to play. Um, a lot of their points kind of came when they were playing way, way behind. Uh, even though they did get to 28 out of Washington, they still really got, got crushed in that game. So the Gophers are three-point favorites. But Peyton Thorne, Michigan State quarterback, did not lose a home game last year as their starting quarterback. That Michigan State rush defense has been lights out so far. Really, really good. And that, you know, kind of tempers what the Gophers' strength is, which is rushing the football with uh, Ibrahim. So I am a little concerned about this game going on the road for your first real competition of the season um, against a quarterback who's pretty good, coming off a 10-win year for Michigan State. Uh, their home underdogs going to have a little chip on their shoulder coming off a loss. 
they had their eyes opened up last Saturday. I think it's going to be a, an abrupt change for the Gophers to go from playing kind of some patsies in the non-conference to now having to play a pretty good Michigan State team in a in a conference game. I'm I'm nervous, Ron. I'm nervous. Somebody did it, someone talk me off the ledge, please. Well, no, I, I think Sam's right. Like, you got to be careful. Gulf's coming in hotter than a $2 pistol, cooking with gas right now. 3-0 against the spread here, guys. I, that was against JV teams, though. Like Ron always says, that's how you're supposed to look. Hmm. Now their first real test on the road against a team Sam mentioned. Uh, they just got upset, so you know they're going to be locked in and prepared. Schematically, I think just from a matchup perspective, this could get tough. Sam, again, mentioned this one, too. Gophers want to run the ball with Mo Ibrahim, number two running back in the nation right now, averaging mm -hmm. almost seven yards per carry. Problem is, if you're trying to exploit and attack the Spartans' weakness, it's clearly their pass defense. They just gave up 400 yards and four touchdowns through the air versus Washington State. Meanwhile, the run D only averaging 2.7 yards allowed per carry. So no more Chris Bell. You're down your number one wideout. Um, you know, they're going to have to lean on Dylan Wright, who had four catches, a touchdown last week. But it's going to be their first major test they've seen all year. And I just I don't think this one's going to come easy offensively like we're used to seeing. Gophers defense, on the other hand, top 10 in the country in all four major categories. They only uh, allow 3.6 yards per play. Uh, I think they've only given up two touchdowns. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think between that mm -hmm. and the fact that Mo Ibrahim might not have as much running room as he's used to, this one goes under the 50 and a half point total. Comes down to maybe who can make some more big plays in the passing game off that play action. Obviously limit the turnovers, the big cliches, but it's true in a game like this. And I'll just say this too. First game for Tanner Morgan, he's going to be without either a guy like Rashad Bateman or Autumn Bell in a long time. I think it's normal to be a little worried how he'll find a way to make big plays in the air on the road until we actually see another guy like Wright or even the tight end for Evan Span mm -hmm. Ford step up into that bigger role. It would be a huge win, though, for P.J. if he can get this first conference game under his belt and prove that, yes, this Gophers team should be taken seriously this year. Uh, you got two similar running backs as far as size you know you got you got Berger who is uh 6'1 I think about 205 uh runs hard hard nose type of running back Michigan State type of guy you look at Kenneth uh Walker the third going to the Seahawks last year in the second round uh he, he has a similar style and then Mo Ibram at 5'10 uh barely you know calls himself 5'11 but 210 pounds so you got two over two you know 210 205 built the same type of running backs you're gonna see the same type of zone run schemes um, where Michigan State gets sneaky, and this is the thing, from a passing standpoint right now, they're not truly throwing the ball either, though. Like, this is – neither team has really dominated. I think if I'm going to give the pass game to anybody, I'm going to give it to the Gophers, but now Chris Hoffman-Bell is out. That makes it tough because he's an easy just throw it up. He's going to violently catch the ball in the air and snag it from a DB. Uh, you look at Ke uh, Keon Coleman from Michigan State, their leading receiver. Trey Mosley, who uh, went to high school with my cousin, who's at Michigan. Uh, Trey Mosley, really good receiver. I thought he's going to come to Minnesota, but he picked, picked Michigan State. Good for him. He's their number two uh, receiver there. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting game. Their tight end, Daniel Barker, not a big, you know, he's 6'4", 6'5", probably 250. So decent size, uh, not better than Brevin Span Ford. So when I'm doing the tail of the tape, I'm going with the Gophers from a physicality standpoint. And when you look at Dalen Wright, Dalen Wright can be a really good NFL receiver. Um, defensively, um for the gophers you got uh justin wiley you got mariano sorry marin uh, i think they can be really good as well but you have to figure out a way 
to get some of these other guys involved now that Chris Hartman Bell is out. And I think like somebody brought up that like the last couple of weeks, he's thrown it to six receivers, eight receivers, and then like 10 receivers. So he does spread the ball around. I think that's the only bright spot that Chris Hartman Bell is out is that he has given it to a lot of other receivers as well. He's not like, it's not Rashad Bateman. You know, I'm just staring him down or Tyler Johnson. He's been moving the ball around. Um, but no, I, I do think this is a statement game for this reason why. Michigan State's considered a bully. They're considered one of the top 25 teams in the country. Uh, their, pass, their passing defense did get exposed against Washington, but they're still a bully. They still like to play bully ball. They still like to intimidate you when they walk into their building. If the Gophers walk in, play their game, uh, sneaky fact, P.J. Fleck had all these like musics and sounds pumped into the indoor when they practice, and some of them were like rude stuff, saying you suck, whatever, booing them, because he wanted the players to practice and be ready for this. Um, because they're going to get that when they get there. And this is their – I mean, they've had three home games. But just win convincingly. Like, if you win by two touchdowns, just make sure it doesn't look fluky. Uh, make sure you feel like you have command of the game the whole time. And then that gives your team confidence going to the next couple games because they can be undefeated, honestly, up until the end of the year against Iowa-Wisconsin. And that's that's what's really exciting about this team. If you beat Michigan State – now, Illinois is good now. We just saw Illinois. They look really good. Brett Bilema has, has turned them around. But I'm excited to see what they do next. Uh, because if the Gophers win this one, there's not a lot of resistance in their way to that Big Ten championship game as far as the West goes. Um, How about that Penn well, State game? How about that Penn State at Penn State? You're not too worried about that one? That one worries me a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had the Gophers losing two to three games. That mm -hmm. was one of them. And honestly, mm -hmm. maybe I just took that off my mind because I have them <laughs> losing that game. Mm -hmm. um, I, I When I look at the West, though, I'm just saying, like, I think they're going to run through it. Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, Wisconsin has to play Ohio State, which I'm excited about. Uh, Wisconsin mm -hmm. has to play Illinois, which Illinois looks good. So I think Minnesota can get some help. They just need to beat Michigan State because if they beat one East and lose to one Penn State and they can knock off Wisconsin, Iowa, or lose to one, they only lost two games. And now they're in the Big Ten Championship, most likely because Wisconsin Oof. is going to lose to Ohio State and they're probably going to lose one more in there to Illinois, Minnesota, or Iowa. So it's it's in, in Purdue. Let, never forget, Purdue finds a way to knock one of them off every year. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this can be a sneaky year for the Gophers. Uh, just sucks for Chris Hoffman Bell. Wolves Wild season is right around the corner. We're talking about that shortly. And first, a reminder to subscribe to our channel, Locked on Sports Minnesota, on YouTube. And make sure you comment on the videos. Let us know what you're thinking about the local teams. Your comment helps other people discover the show Locked on Sports Minnesota on YouTube. Subscribe, like, comment, and check out all of our programming on video, free and available. The Wild and the Wolves are starting in a few weeks. It feels like it's too soon. Um, I don't even have anything much to say about the Wild, to be honest. But Wolves, what are you guys most excited about? And if you have a hockey take, throw it out there, but I don't. What are you most excited about about the Wolves? Yeah, between the Wolves and the Wild, who am I most excited about? Got to be the Wolves, right? I mean, maybe the biggest splash of the offseason, you trade four first-round picks for Rudy Gobert. Couple with the fact that you get to see Ant take another step forward in his progression development now, and how Coach Finch is going to put all these pieces together. The Wild, Bill Guerin, pushed a lot of chips all in last year. They get the number two seed, successful regular season, but now they're, you know, they're facing an uphill climb here, brutal cap situation. They move on from Kevin Fiala and that contract. So, Wild, obviously, they got a young superstar of their own and Kirill the Thrill, who's exciting. But the Wolves with Ant, Cat, Rudy, D'Lo, I think easily the more electrifying team on paper that's probably given fans more inspiration for success this season. What about you, Sam? 
Yeah, I mean the the wolves are in the honeymoon phase right now. Like you've mm-hmm. you've got this brand new piece in Gobert. You bring back your core from last year, Towns, D'Lo, and Ant, and this is probably the final year for D'Lo. So cherish this season because, in terms of like a team's arc, the most satisfying returns are when you're just waiting for the success and you can see it coming, and then you start to see a team start to perform like you like you believe they can. This is where it's really fun to be a fan. Um, down the road, you know, then you start to nitpick. Then the expectations get too high, and people get hurt, and you start to get disappointed. This is where it's going to be really fun, where you're entering this new era. There's kind of that fresh car smell on these Timberwolves. Uh, the defense should be, should be invigorated with Gobert. Edwards is only going to take another step. So there, there's a lot to be excited about with that team. That being said, I still look at the Wild as – more of a championship contender than I do the Timberwolves, but I'm still much more excited to see the Timberwolves, if that makes sense. It just It's easier to win the Stanley Cup than it is the NBA Finals. Like There's only a couple teams every year that seem to have that NBA Finals capability. Um, but, hey, the, if the Wolves can get into that conversation, what a fun run that could be. I mean, there's nothing better than having a really good NBA team and after watching those six games against Memphis last year, that kind of whetted my appetite. I'm ready for more postseason basketball in this town. I got a, I got a question for you guys before I give my answer about this. So the Lakers, we know LeBron is never satisfied. He's shopping guys around. They're trying to uh, make a trade for Russell Westbrook now to trade him. Uh, I forgot what team they're trying to trade him with, but they, they, they've, they've reached out to a couple teams. Uh, one team of which they're, you know, Shannon Sharp was saying, you know, let's let the market calm down because inflation is ridiculous right now. Once it calms down, there'll be some guys willing to trade for Russell Westbrook. Um, if the Lakers were to reach out to the Timberwolves and you weren't losing any pieces because literally they just want to unload Russell Westbrook's contract so that they can pick up somebody else. Um, and Russell Westbrook was willing to maybe sign a team friendly deal. Would you want to add him to this big four? I uh, where it looks kind of like Anthony Towns, and you got Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, and Russell Westbrook. Would you want to do it? I would. I, I, Sam, maybe you're a little bit more uh, up to date on Russell Westbrook as of late. I know he struggled, obviously, when you're talking about a guy uh, that Lakers are trying to just unload for free just to get rid of that contract. Um, but, man, I remember how good he was at his peak. And granted, that may be a few seasons ago. But with the question marks and just inconsistency around a guy like D'Angelo Russell, I, I would love to take Russell Westbrook and at least take a flyer on him. What, what about you, Sam? Yeah, I'm finishing a little drawing here that I'm going to show you. Oh, boy. Let's see if we can. Uh... <laughs> oh, boy. Tinfoil hat time, it feels like. No? No. No. no thank you. I got an excl- exclamation point there. To is he trash now? Is it over? Is he just, is just not absolutely good washed. And you what know happened? what? I was, I was on the Westbrook bandwagon before it was trendy to be on the Westbrook bandwagon. I loved Westbrook. I thought he was awesome at OKC, and I liked him, you know, at his next stops too. But he's he's at the point where he's a journeyman, and he's way too on ball. Like this is not someone who's going to divvy it up to Ant and get it to Cat and and find a way to get teammates involved. No, he he needs too many shots. The Wolves already have D'Lo, who takes too many shots. When they need Ant and Cat to be getting the most shots, they've got too many mouths to feed. Now, if the scenario was that you're switching 
D'Lo for Westbrook, maybe that's a little more palatable, but I still would say no. I'd still rather have D'Lo because I think he's just a better teammate. So I am an emphatic no on that. Um, Do I'd the like contracts to hear Ron, come into play I, at all? What's D'Lo's contract? If you're getting Russ for cheap on the bare minimum, do the contracts come into play at all, knowing that you're going to have to pay a guy like Ann here pretty soon? Well, in in like in the real cap world, I don't think that Westbrook is going to be too cheap. But I don't think okay. the Wolves have the cap space to add him without without you know nixing some salary somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. If he did come, like if he did happen to come on a really cheap deal. Yeah, that would be doable because the Wolves have nothing to work with. Um, I don't think he's coming, though, for nothing. I think he still you know, values himself, and the league would value him at probably an eight-figure salary. So here's the trades that like LeBron is throwing out there. Uh, one, because it's LeBron. Uh, Jenny Buss, by the way, is like, hell no, I'm not leveraging my future for your current. <laughs> um, but he wants Buddy Hield and Miles Turner. Um, I get it. Buddy Hield was a big-time scorer in college. Um, I think LeBron feels like with him and uh, Anthony Davis, you know what, just get us somebody, get us a scorer. Um, and Buddy Hill can put the ball in the net. They have Patrick Beverly at the point, and I think that's maybe why they want to get rid of Westbrook because they're like, we don't need a scoring point guard. Like, like this guy Patrick Beverly has been in the playoffs every year. So we just need somebody to be able to facilitate, be a, a irritant in the West to get on like Steph Curry's nerves and piss off, of course, coming to back to Minnesota. I can't imagine Pat. I can't wait for Pat Bev versus D'Angelo Russell. Like that's going to probably be a big brother, little brother fight. Just one of those, like, I love you, but I'm going to fight you today. Um, that was one. They wanted to trade with the the Indianapolis, the Indianapolis, Indiana Pacers for Miles Turner and Bunny Hill. Um, that's, and that's, like saying that both teams are like willing to do this. Like it's not one of those like forced trade and sign things. And then of course, Kyrie Irving, uh, they want to get Kyrie for Russell Westbrook. And like literally they probably would leverage the whole team for Kyrie. Uh, Cause Kyrie LeBron and AD is just like Kyrie LeBron. And uh, what's his name? Kevin Love. Like you're going to get the same result, which is uh, probably an NBA finals because of their fast. People forget about basketball IQ and how important it is. Um, and I'm with you, Luke. When I look at now and who I'm more excited about, Wolves versus Wild, it's got to be Wolves. One, I'm just getting into the Wild. Like, I am excited to go to a game and take my kids to a game this year. Um, Like, that playoff game was extremely fun, so I'm looking forward to taking them. Uh, But two, the Wolves are national news now. Like, with Mm -hmm. with Gobert, they have now become a part of the national conversation of, is this a number four seed? Like, is this a team that we're not even talking play in? We're talking – four seed you're getting to play the five like you're the higher seed you're going to have home court advantage for the your first playoff game at least i'm excited for the wolves because go bear again we talked about carlton towns being in foul trouble go bear frees him up to not have to play in the post against bigs anymore and he's a true rim protector somebody drives on anthony edwards anthony edwards doesn't have to foul him he can let him drive and say hey we got i got the french tower back there whatever they want to call him the stifle tower like you don't have to worry um, Carlin D. Towns can play a true stretch for like he wants to play because Gobert wants to be in the post. Like we were like, Carl, get your back to the basket, man. Get in the post. No, let him play stretch for it. Let him be the Kevin Love of this team and let Gobert put his back to the basket and be a true big when Anthony Edwards drives or when DeAndre Russell drives. We've seen him now in, in the French league catch alley oops. So Gobert is a formidable uh, talent to put next to him. And you got two bigs going back to the Houston Rockets days. Um, this could be really good. 
I mean, this could be Akeem Olajuwon, Ralph Sampson. This could be really good. But one last one before we get out of here. Oh, quick, give me your best 30 seconds. If the Vikings lose to the Lions, what will happen next? If the Vikings lose to the Lions, obviously it kind of depends on what fashion that happens. But, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will hit the panic button. Some people will say, hey, you know what? Maybe Mike Zimmer wasn't that bad after all. Now, obviously in the NFL, there's so much knee-jerk reaction week to week. I personally won't be hitting the panic button. Again, this Lions team, we just went through it isn't a bad team. It's not the Lions we're used to, we grew up with, that's just been in the in the absolute dumpster the last 20 years. So uh, it depends on what fashion they lose, but certainly fans will be wondering, how long is this whole thing, all these pieces of the puzzle, going to take to put together both offensively and defensively? And again, I, I go back to the injury report this Sunday, keep tabs on that, and then getting some of these younger guys on the field sooner than later. Uh, we still haven't seen Lewis seen. Uh, we still haven't seen Brian Osamoa getting Andrew Boot Jr. healthy, a Caleb Evans, guys like that. I think this defense specifically needs a lot more rejuvenation and some fresh legs. If you lose to Detroit, it's going to be a long flight to London because they've got to <laughs> fly out like day after, two days after. Um, that's going to be a long flight because a two-game losing streak in the NFL is like an eight-game losing streak in any other sport. It's just such a short season that – if you are on a streak of any kind, win or lose, um, people are going to either rejoice or panic. And if you lose two games in a row, people will act like the wheels are falling off, whether they actually are or not. I don't think that it dooms your season if you lose, but I mean, we've talked about this. The Vikings really need to be 4-2 and two at the bye week because they've got tough games coming up after the bye. They've got the Bills. They've got the Cowboys, probably with Dak back. They've got the Patriots. Um, I'm probably forgetting a couple. Cardinals won't be a cakewalk. So you need to be 4-2 and two at the bye. If you lose to Detroit, then you've got to win in London. you got to beat the Bears at home. And then you got to win in Miami. That Miami game is going to be tough. So if you beat Detroit, you've got a little bit of wiggle room. Um, if you lose to Detroit, and if, especially if Kirk Cousins struggles in that game, look out, look out my mentions. Look out your mentions, Ron. Get off Twitter for the week. It's going to be panic. It's going to be anarchy. I'm going to go um, crawl into a hole and avoid all of it. <laughs> Whenever you say anarchy, I just, I hear Ricky Bobby's kids running through the, through the yard, <laughs> running from grandma, and then she slaps both of them. And he's like, Walker and you're going to beat us. You're going to beat us like a wild horse, ain't you? <laughs> That's the best movie ever. Um, for me, if the Vikings lose to the Lions, I, I do think the sky is going to fall. I think the fans are going to lose their mind on the Vikings fan line. I think I'm going to talk some people off a ledge. Uh, people are going to mm -hmm. talk now, – now people are going to go back to, like, well, we fired Mike Zimmer for this, uh, get rid of Kirk Cousins. This is not the quarterback for this team, this type of offense, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I do feel like fans are just going to, you know, lose it. Now, do the, is the team going to care? I don't think so because, again, if you go 13-3, and three, or 12 and four. Wait, no, there's not enough games. There's 17 games, right? Or is there 17 weeks? 16 games. I'm 17 so games. 17 now, 18 weeks. 17 yeah. games. So they go 13 and four. They go 13 mm -hmm. and four or 12 and five. It's fine. Like it doesn't matter who they lose to, when they lose to them, and how. The end of the year, playoffs, once you get to the playoffs and the record set, like nobody remembers the three games the Packers lost to last year. Nobody. They just know they went 13 and three. Nobody remembers that. When the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, people don't remember that stuff. Uh, well, people remember the Saints because that was the first game. Everybody made fun of them. But every other game after that, nobody remembers the losses.
They only remember the results of the season and where did they finish in the playoffs. So they can lose to the Lions and run the table the rest of the way. If they end up sweeping the Packers somehow, we still forget that that's not out of sight. Sweep the Bears, uh, find a way to beat either the Dolphins or the Bills. I don't know if you can beat both. Um, I mean, there's beat the Cardinals because we know Kyler Murray runs around like, you know, a toddler that stole his parents' phone. Just keep them contained. Don't chase behind them. Contain them. You know, he just wants to sit back there and point. You go this way. You go this way. Let, you know, keep covering. You got to covering for 12 seconds. Not easy, but just do it. But if they lose to the Lions, I I think the fans will lose it. But I think the players are going to be just fine. I think they know like it's a long season. Uh, This is year one for us. We got to figure this out. Uh, But honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. I I think this is just a win. It's another home win. Uh, The Vikings are going to dominate the Lions. You got a healthy Zadarius and and Daniil Hunter. Uh, Jared Goff is not Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts adds a ton of like complexity to your defensive calls because you got to figure out where he's at. And the Vikings could not figure out where he was at. And they tried to punch the ball out and he was strong enough to score. So I I think the things that happened against the Eagles are not going to happen. The running quarterback does scare me now. So, you know, looking at Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, uh, that is a little scary. But again, that was the first time that Donatello got to put his defense on the field with that. So he'll learn from his mistakes. But if the Vikings lose to the Lions, fans are going to lose it. Players are going to be fine. But that'll do it for the roundtable on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Luke Emman. That's Sam Ekstrom. We got Reggie in the hot tub over there. He's getting ready and, and getting all that vapor rub on his chest. And he'll be back <laughs> once he gets his off IR. We're about to put him on the pup list. We don't know yet. Um, but please continue to download, subscribe, listen, like, share. Tell us what you think. Comment below. If the Vikings lose to the Lions, what do you think? Like, what will, what will you do if the Vikings lose to the Lions? Let us know your thoughts. And remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast, and find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.